I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Welcome. Oh, well, it's a bit high-pitched. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it there, though. It's a nice little behind-the-scenes... Uh... Hello, welcome to Friends <laughs> of the Friends. My name's P. Allison, here's Dave Green. Hiya, you're right. <laughs> Do the whole podcast like that? They sound like borrowers. Um, it was an odd start, I'd say, but... But we're off. We're off. We started, we're here. I don't mind it. Don't hate it, you know? Um, are you well, apart from your apparent sort of uh, genital operation this week? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm all right. I've got almost nothing to report, which is pretty much standard, isn't it, these days? Yes, yes. Um, I mean, you probably more so than us. We were just discussing this before the podcast. Off air, Peter. <laughs> um, about the, This is quite boring for people that don't live in England, I guess, but the tier system. Uh, we might be basically swapping tiers this week, eh? Yeah, well, I, I don't. I, I feel like it'd be a wonderful Christmas bonus uh, if we were reduced to tier two. But yes. I, I, I sort of expect everyone else to just sort of join us. Join us, Dave. Join us in our miserable tier three existence. No, I can't be living the life of Riley. I've been living. Went to the theatre once. Have you had any substantial meals? I have actually, yes, because uh, you have to have a substantial meal even if you're sort of having a drink outside or anything. So I've had a lot of substantial In fact, today I've just got back from a substantial meal where I went to meet someone outside for one drink and ended up having to buy a ch- chicken burger and a massive portion of chips just to have one drink. It was ludicrous. Mm-hmm. But I mean, do you know what? It's absolutely fine. I'm quite a big fan of the substantial meal system because it means I get to eat more. Yeah, sure. But um, it does, you know, I, th- I think I just spent £35 on a, a drink, basically. £35? Well, yeah, by the time... Well, I, I bought I bought two drinks, one for me and one for my friend, and then I right. uh, b- bought the burger and a chips because we had to have one. You know, it was, it was mad. I thought you'd just eaten a really expensive burger. Imagine spending £35 on a burger. Well, that'd be absolutely insane. But I do live in London, Peter, so I'd That's say it's true. probably it's not, not unheard of somewhere. Mm. Um, but yes, there you go. Enough COVID chat, as always. Um, anything else to report? No. Good. <laughs> Friends? <laughs> Friends then, yes. Good episode this week, I'd say, Peter. It is a good episode. I, I, mm, good episode for its main plot. Yes, it's one of those ones where I feel like the, the C plot especially is a real um, thing they've thought of at the last minute. Like, yeah. It has absolutely zero bearing on anything, does it? Yeah, I think we'll work our way through the two minor plots fairly quickly today. Shall I read you out a request? Go for it. 
Ashley, this is uh, excellent um, request forming. Like we've had this a few times where I've not had to read the synopsis because the requestor oh, they done it for us. Basically, does it for you in the request, and that is, I'd say, a double thumbs up from us when that happens. This is from. Tiger Stripes official. Not the unofficial Tiger Stripes. No, no one's messing about with the unofficial Tiger Stripes. We are only official here yes. on the Unofficial Friends podcast. Uh, this is from August the 9th, so we're edging our way closer and closer towards... Second half of the year. Yeah, <laughs> we're into summer now, so um, sorry about that. We've still got the whole of autumn slash fall summer. to get through. Um, depending on where you're listening. But uh, hi, our names are Molly and Abby, a double request. Lovely. We've just started listening to the podcast in August, uh, and we think it's amazing. Oh, you guys, thank you. How, how very kind They of could you. have changed their mind by now. Yeah, I mean, they might not be listening anymore, hey? Yeah, we might, they might be gone. Pop in a little request, and away they go. Hey, Molly and Abby, if you're still here, let us know. That sounded very sad and bleak on our behalf, didn't it? <laughs> a slightly bit desperate. We were wondering if you could talk about Season 7, Episode 20, the one with Rachel's big kiss, for these reasons. One, Winona Ryder gives an amazing performance, and in 2010, Winona and Jennifer's kiss was rated one of the best of the decade. Interesting. Was it? Yes, I've not found that. Let's have a little dig in a second, shall we? Two, there's also the plot with Joey wanting his parents to be there at the wedding, which proves he loves them and is very sweet. Uh, and there is also some name-dropping with the suits... And maybe some commercial sponsorship from ESPN. Yes, I thought that. Uh, we really love this episode and rate it as one of the best. Uh, and of course, there's also the paradox with Winona Ryder, where she's mentioned three times before she makes her cameo appearance. Of course. Uh, which, uh, th- do you know what? I, I'm loath to admit this, Pete, but I can only think of twice. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember the specific references, but I'm aware that we've we've said that she's in it, isn't she? The, yeah, there's there's the she she's on Ross's list in the Isabella Rossellini episode. Yeah, God, that's quite early, isn't it? Very early, very. very Winona's early. been a thing for a while. Hasn't oh, she? she's been really on, hasn't she? Um, yeah, because she. My first thought watching this back was, doesn't she look young? But yes. she's also been really famous for ages as well. And also, doesn't look massively older in Stranger Things these days. No, but she's definitely an older. And she, 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 she's, she's, she's got a bit she of wisdom. Aged, she's got a bit yeah. of wisdom behind her eyes now, hasn't she? Yeah. And uh, there's also the episode where Ross is trying to book a reservation, and he uses Winona Ryder's name to get the table when it was fully booked previously. You know. Yes. But I can't think of a third one. So again, Molly and Abby, let or any of you, the rest of you, let us know. Idiots, they'll be screaming at their podcast now. Why can't you think of the third one? Um, uh, so yeah, there we go. That's all the plots, isn't it? The suit plot that they mentioned in the request was um, Chandler picking out his tux for uh, for the wedding and going through all the celebrity tuxes. And I say celebrity tuxes, I don't know some of the celebrities to which they refer. Well, it's just a lot of 90s references. 90s and American. Um, so yes. So where to start, Peter? Let's start with the wedding stuff, shall we? The parents? Yes. Uh, yes, I would say so. Yeah, so Monica and Chandler are doing the wedding. It does feel like this plot was chucked in, doesn't it, at the end, if I'm honest? <laughs> well, my first thought with this is that the Monica sort of behaves as if Joey's unreasonable for wanting his parents to be there, right? Yes. Which you would have to be a particularly close friend 
for your parents to to be invited to a friend's wedding. Well, don't forget that Joey attended the the wedding of his friend's ex-wife and her new partner. Well, this is what I was going to say. Joey's not unreasonable, I don't think, for expecting his parents to be invited to the wedding, given the strange approach to guest lists, just generally in this show. Yes, parties and weddings seem to have... Anyone can come to anything. Yeah, yeah it's a very open sort of community-focused guest list system they have, isn't it? No, so I, th- I think you're absolutely right. You know, friends have some of the strangest wedding guest lists of all time. So, of course, Joey would <laughs> just invite his parents without even checking with Monica and Chandler. Um, Yeah, because what I was going to say about this plot is that it does feel like they've chucked it in because you could argue what it does is, is serve the purpose of sort of keeping the wedding stuff bubbling under, but the Tux plot does that as well. Are we really close to the wedding then? Yeah, this is episode 20, aren't we, isn't it? So about three or four episodes away. Right, so hence table planning and et cetera. Yes, exactly. Uh, And invitations. And, you know, the invitations have obviously gone out. And, well, there's there's some speculation, which I'll be honest, even I got a bit bored with trying to work out, which uh, says something about whether the invitations would even have been sent out yet because we do later learn don't we in the one with the videotape that rachel hadn't sent out the invitations until a couple of weeks before the wedding or a month before the wedding that's a quite in-depth timeline uh plot that was one of those things that i came across someone had done a big reddit post and i thought even i don't care (laughs) 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 if this is the case or not and so i thought let's skip over that and not worry the, about it at all. The politics of wedding invitations, though, is is quite painful, isn't well, it? Well, I'll tell you what, this is where... I mean, the, the whole part of this plot line is the idea that Chandler basically has nobody, <laughs> doesn't know anyone. Yes. He seems to be annoyed about that, but I'd be thrilled if I was in that situation where I just, I've got like 10 people, they're all invited, done. I mean, he does seem to know literally nobody. People feel obliged to invite certain people to weddings, don't they? And yeah. like by association with like their family friends who couldn't possibly not invite them. If you're in a situation where you only have a handful of definite people, I think that's I, I don't think Chandler should uh, should talk that down. I think that's Well, no, right. that's how weddings get so big, isn't it? By the time you you've asked your your parents, your aunties, your cousins, your uncles, your in your in-laws, your cousins' partners and all of that, before you yeah. get to your just mates. There's, there's loads of people. That's, I mean, I know we don't want to talk about COVID too much, but in the UK, the rule has been, I think you can have 15 or 30 people at a wedding, depending on the various Which would be fine time for Chandler. Yeah, great for Chandler, but tricky if you, you know, Monica, and you've suddenly got to invite all your cousins and your Jack and Judy's friends and Joey's parents and presumably Joey's parents, <laughs> next door neighbours and all that sort of stuff. Gets, gets out of hand, doesn't it? Bold of Joey to ask Monica to ring his own <laughs> mum to invite her, it, just yeah. to seal the, the deal. The whole part of this plot really sort of screams, you guys are too close and this is weird. Also, the Irish don't come out of this very well, do oh, they? Yeah, there's, actually, considering this is fairly late in the, in the Friends uh, world timeline, yes. there's a fair few moments of, ooh, eggy, eggy lines, aren't there? And, the you know, Joey's parents hating the Irish feels very... Yes out of date now i mean like because there's that reference to joe's parents hating the post office right which okay you can have a grumble at the post office they can lose your post they can be incompetent whatever um but to pinpoint a particular country and slag them off and channel quite a lot of anger towards them feels a little bit dodgy here well yeah especially with the history of the, the irish and you know the sort of the racism towards the irish both in america and here over the years yes um which is kind of why it seems to be acceptable because it seems to be in that sort of period where 
oh, we all just joke about the Irish and that's fine. Do you know what I mean? That's how they... But but Monica does refer to it later in fairness. They do flag it and she says something like, look, if your parents... If your mum wants to just come up and scream racial slurs from the altar, she can or something like that. Yeah. So there is a slight awareness of it there, but it's it's, it's dealt with with a very light touch, isn't it? Well, it's like Monica recognises that it's a bit racist, which is why she says that comment about racial slurs. Yes. But then she still played along with it and played up to it when she was on the phone to Joe. Yeah, well. it's very like your nan's racist, what can you do type vibes, isn't it? What I would what I would say is, having a quick glance at the wedding plan, despite Chanda only having like 10 blue pins, they're very sparsely scattered around the room. <laughs> like, presumably most of Chanda's blue pins know each other. He knows individuals. Yeah, for the most part, there's just one blue and then like nine red people on the table. Which actually, this led me to think about the actual wedding. And at the actual wedding, which is where... Um, Ross meets Mona, isn't it? Yeah. And Ross meets Mona, you know, when they're looking at the different tables. And seemingly, based on the table, because, you know, Ross swaps the tags and ends up on the the wrong table. But seemingly, Ross wasn't on, like, an important table at all. Well, he he seems to be, like, sat on his own because there's that whole storyline, isn't there, with wanting to be on Mona's table and then ending up at a kid's table. Yeah, which if if... Ross was on, say, the top table, where you'd sort of expect him to be as Chandler's best mate and Monica's brother, right? Like, right up there. If he has swapped the tables, then there's a child just sat at the top table. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that? Why is there a kid next to Chandler? Who's that guy? What's going on? Yes, that's a good point. Anyway, let's, again... We don't want to get too bogged down in the uh, in the details of the the seating plan, but it did seem very odd that the blue pins were all sort of scattered everywhere. When Chandler's getting the tucks from Rachel, there is a very enjoyable line where he sort of says, "Thanks for all this, Rachel, and uh, and I'd just like you to come to our wedding as my guest." Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "And Monica's maid of honor. Don't try and blue pin me." But yeah, poor old Chandler. It does it does feel a bit bleak for him, doesn't it? The only other thing I'd like to flag about this before we move on to the next plot line is. Um, once this all resolves, and to be fair to Monica and Chandler, despite Monica's sort of slight wedding mania, she really does accommodate this, doesn't she? Like, she she goes to a lot of effort to make sure Joey's parents can come. She's surprisingly patient. Yes, exactly. I would say so. It feels sort of at odds, especially that bit where he comes in and she goes, look, they can do whatever they want. It feels very un-Monica. Um, but once they have resolved all this and uh, Joey's asked them to move the entire wedding to accommodate his niece's christening which let's remember he doesn't even clearly go to because he's doing a movie with Gary Oldman like what the bloody hell's going on on this day <laughs> yes. it's an absolutely, it's a very absolutely good mad day um, do we even see Joey's parents at the wedding <laughs> They're not there, are they? I'm not sure. Also... Also, aren't they separate? <laughs> I mean, they're, no, no, they're not separated, are they? That's exactly what I was about to say, and then I realised that... Oh, they end up having a bit of an open relationship, don't they? Once this all is resolved, Joe's parents are coming. They send him in the post, apparently, despite hitting the post office, a hat yes. to wear at the wedding yeah. while he's officiating. What? <laughs> if you're wearing a hat at a wedding, it's a very formal wedding, unless you're a woman, obviously, a lot of women wear uh, hats at weddings but a man wearing a hat at a wedding says very upper class wedding to me yeah and i could even forgive it if on the day they turned up and said oh we've brought this hat we think this might go this might could be quite ministerial if you're doing the wedding but to send him a hat in the post the day after they've just been invited is 
Like Wasco, where have they got that hat from? They nipped straight out. They've got quite heavy involvement in this. Couriered it over. Like it's all, it's all a bit of a, a bizarre situation. Is anyway, that's fine. Joey's parents are apparently coming to the wedding. I don't remember seeing them off the top of my head, but then you know, I've also forgotten a Winona Ryder reference. Clearly, so who am I to say that I'm across all the details of friends, Peter? Okay, we talked about the Irish thing. There's definitely some problematic elements of the Tux plotline as well, aren't there? But the one bit why this whole sort of plot didn't really go in for me was because it was just a lot of references from before I was old enough to understand them. Right. Like Val Kilmer and Diane Keaton. And again, uh, we we discussed this on our episode of Joey last week, didn't we? There was a, a really tired stereotype about gay people not liking sport in yep. the episode of Joey we, we talked about. And this is basically kind of revisited in this episode of Friends, isn't it? Because all the way through, it's basically implied that Chandler's either a bit girly or a bit gay because of his discussion about the tuxes and all this chat about Pierce Brosnan, you know, and, and this constant thread that he should watch a little more ESPN. Yes. The, the one bit that I did like is when he's trying to sort of explain why um, Batman is better than Bond, isn't he? To yeah. Monica, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did like Batman uh, has Robin. Monica saying, <laughs> "Yes." Monica says Bond gets all the women or something. And Chandler's retort to that, which he seemingly thinks is equal, is, "But Batman has Robin," <laughs> which is good. Uh, yes, but there is that sort of thread through that men like sport. So you watch yes. ESPN, as Molly Nabby said. Um, it does almost feel like there is bloody some sort of product placement for E and ESPN in this. They may have mentioned so many times. Chandler goes to find a tux for his wedding anyway. Rachel hooks him up with some of these old celebrity tuxes. Now, there's a lot of confusing problems with the uh, the tuxes he chooses. Like the Pierce Brosnan one. Okay, that's fine. Pierce Brosnan, probably about the same height as Matthew Perry. He says, as if he hasn't looked it up, but he's actually one and a half inches taller. But never mind. You could see him squeezing into it. You could still fit yeah. in that, yeah. But fine. the tux he eventually gets is Diane Keaton's, who is five foot six, and Matthew Perry is six <laughs> foot. <laughs> like... Right, so just to explain the joke, yeah. is Diane Keaton known for wearing, does she wear suits? Uh, yeah, suits and yeah, just sort of um, a, a, like okay. her dress sense in general, you know, she's very uh, stylish and wears lots of different things, basically. Okay, fine. Um, but wouldn't wouldn't the shape of a woman's suit be very different? Which I presume the is the of sort of joke, sort of, is it, that Chandler looks, is this just more about Chandler being girly? Or like, right. what, what is the joke really at the end? Because Chandler's not tiny, you know. It's not like a, um, uh, he's not like a character that's, who's notoriously small, you know. Yeah. So uh, the joke must sort of just be like, oh, a, a female-shaped suit yeah, fits your really body sure. slash personality. I don't know. It, it's it's slightly odd. I mean, he he wants Pierce Brosnan's tux clearly. This is a time before Mamma Mia because I don't think uh, wanting Pierce Brosnan's <laughs> tux after that would be anything sort of. Uh, I really loved his duet <laughs> yeah. with um, Meryl Streep, and now I want his suit. Not quite the enticing prospect uh, that it once was, I wouldn't have said. Um, and then Ross ends up getting Val Kilmer's tux, Batman's tux, um, <laughs> uh, David Schwimmer's line of, because um, he's carrying it around everywhere, isn't he? Uh, I, I find it to be something of a conversation piece, which I was, I started to write down in my notes of sort of going, who, like, how are those conversations starting? Um, and then Monica obviously sort of undercuts it herself and says, with who? And she goes, with me and Gunther. <laughs> but it is, it's a strange thing. And this, there's actually, this applies to 
the main plot line. We'll come on to it in a minute. There's a strange, like carrying a suit around. Well, it's not not a conversation starter at all, is it? Like you, no, it's just a man you carrying. Bump a into suit. a man carrying a suit. You're not like, oh my god, this is fucking weird. What's what yeah. what what possibly is going on here? I better talk to them about that. I'd just be like, oh, he's carrying a suit somewhere. It turns out that Val Kilmer didn't actually wear this in Batman. So Chanda sort of jealousy all dissipates, doesn't he? Where he wore it to a premiere, um, in which he played a blind man, which did lead to the excellent joke: the only superpower you have is a slightly heightened sense of smell. Yes. Um. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. That's Chandler's Tux, isn't it? Bam. Bam. Done. Should we have a, a small advertorial break and then discuss the headline plot? Then discuss the coconuts. It's an S-Pod thing. The podcast revisiting S-Club 7's insane TV show. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone's binge-watched this. Anyone who's not on drugs. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this into my life. Uh, it was honestly <laughs> truly appalling. Guests helped me analyse the show in more detail than anyone ever asked for. It feels weird to me to say the phrase sex object in a show that <laughs> was aimed at six-year-olds. Do you think Do you think this is one of the problems of the show is that seven is too much? It's an S-Pod thing from Great Big Owl. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Apparently, Pete, this is the only episode of Friends, and I haven't verified this personally, but this has been written somewhere, to feature an on-screen kiss on the lips between two women. A sort of like a kiss that wasn't just a little peck to say goodbye or... Do Carol and Susan not kiss at their wedding? never seen kissing on Friends. Yeah, and yeah. the other main reference is sort of Rachel and Monica making out for a minute for the apartment swap, but that's obviously off screen. Well, you get two here, don't you? Because you get um, Rachel and I can't even remember what Nona's character name. Melissa. That's the one. And then shortly after, you get Phoebe and Rachel. Yes, well, and uh, after that, this is another factoid that I can't claim credit for, but I found during my research. Uh, as of this episode, Rachel has now kissed all five of her friends. <laughs> she obviously kissed Ross. Uh, she kisses Joey in the one with all the resolutions. She kisses Monica off screen, the one I just mentioned. Uh, Chandler kisses her when she, you know, when Chandler's doing all the goodbyes after London and he has to kiss everybody every time he leaves the room. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and then now she kissed Phoebe. Do you know what I did think is when when Melissa first appears in Central mm. Park, um, 
Rachel dislikes everyone that she knew before reuniting with Monica, doesn't she? Like, whenever she sees anyone, she's like, oh, God. Yes. It's like when there's those other friends that were friends with Mindy. She's quite... Uh, oh, no, she greets them warmly and then decides that she's a bit over them, doesn't yeah. she? She doesn't seem to have many fond memories about anyone in her previous No, life. and I think that's sort of part of the uh, journey she's been on from awful yeah. spoil. I guess they all remind her of the person she once was and, and hates now, you know? Another classic example of any time any of the six speak to anyone outside of the six, the first thing the rest of them do is take the piss. Because Melissa is genuinely quite excited about seeing Rachel. She leaves... And then Ross is like, oh, what the hell? Who the hell was that? And yeah, I mean, Monona Ryder doesn't really do much beyond sort of go, it's so nice to see you, should we have dinner? She orders... Um, cigarettes. Orders Gunther <laughs> to go and get cigarettes, and that's probably the only sort of uh, deplorable thing she does. Yeah, I mean, she she's clearly playing a type, isn't she, that we're supposed to immediately think is awful. But she's, yeah. she's, she hasn't done much wrong uh, yet, not until she gets to the massive gaslighting, uh, which we'll come on to in a second. But when she does bump into Rachel, I'd say the journey from us meeting Melissa to us finding out that Rachel and Melissa once uh, briefly snogged at a party is so quick and, let's be honest, crowbarred. Yes. Like, she goes, oh, that's my friend Melissa from college. We, we were close once. Like, if someone said to you, we were very close once, you wouldn't go, oh! No, you wouldn't assume that that meant sex. No. Yeah, yeah you're right. And, but Monica goes, wait a minute, she's not the one who you... And God, Joey is such an annoying perv in this episode. Yeah, this is a real bad look for Joey, this plot line, isn't it? I I, I wrote a note about him being awful the first time. It's, I mean, when they find out, it's kind of like, I think it's almost forgivable. It's like a Joey giddiness of like, oh, women kissing women, which let's come on to in a minute because I've got some thoughts on that. Um, but he, like that's within his character. Then later on, he sort of just walks into the apartment and just sort of like puts his head next to Rachel's, doesn't he, on the couch and just like stares at her. Yeah. And then later, the absolute worst one, can I come to dinner with you and Melissa? You wouldn't see me. You'd just hear the noise from my video camera. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, come on, lads. But he's so charming, so it's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. He really gets away with it and... In that chop. Now, going back to that thing that I just parked briefly, this entire incident where Rachel makes out with another girl at a college party is made out as if it's one of the wildest, maddest things you could ever possibly do in life, right? Yes, but I I think it's actually quite dull that she's clung onto it for well, this. Yeah, one. exactly. That is like how she clings onto it because it's like the one exciting thing she's done at a party once, and she can't possibly let Melissa get away without admitting that. It yeah, is. it's really not a good looking app. But like when feet, so Joey's so excited, and it's like you say, it's not like they were together or even had sex. They sort of snogged at a party once. And their tits run. And their coconut coconut spanked into each other. But when Phoebe finds out, she literally says the line, I didn't know you were a lesbian. Yes. And that really dates this episode in a sort of like, I mean, very, very much before the days of accepting any sort of sexuality that wasn't very binary, you know? Heaven forbid (laughs) anyone should experiment in their young years. And the weirdest thing, well, exactly, this is what I mean. I just feel like, A, Rachel and all of them have surely seen people 
or known stories or been involved themselves in some sort of vague experimentation at college. You know, that's not Mm. very unusual. And also, when Phoebe says it, it's not even that she says, I didn't know you were a lesbian. She sort of, you know that Peter K routine from like years ago where he's talking about his nan saying the word lesbian and he can't quite say it properly. Phoebe does that. She goes, I didn't know you were a lesbian. It's like as yeah. if it's a, a swear word. Like, yeah. and uh, it's such a strange look for a show that's basically been the first TV show ever to depict a, a, a same-sex marriage. One thing I must say, I have a bit of a coconut-related admission here. <laughs> so, I did not expect that sentence to come out of your head. So any time that I've watched this episode, right, I've never clocked the original coconut reference in this episode where Rachel says that they were both dressed in coconut bikini tops, right? right? So every time I watch this, when Rachel and Winona mentioned coconuts bashing together, I thought they were literally calling boobs coconuts. <laughs> Whereas actually, the the reference is more specific than that because they were they wearing, were wearing coconuts. coconuts as bras, as bikinis. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's so funny. So you just thought they were being so um, like PG that they couldn't yes. think of a word. Coconuts bashing together. But then when I watched it this time and she mentioned the fact that they were wearing coconut bikini tops, I was like, oh, that, that, that makes sense. That suddenly all makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but imagine they just used the word coconuts in, in place of, of boobs. In fairness, they do drop the reference to the bikini and just keep referencing coconuts, don't they? Yeah, it, f- it very much feels like an episode of a sitcom that was written by a room full of men, doesn't it, this? Just yes, uh, on, on every level. Um. And again, you know, that going back to what I was saying earlier, when Ross finds out that Rachel once kissed another girl on the lips, and I know it's a funny line, and he says, so that's two of my wives. Again, there's this real leap, isn't there, between someone's sexuality or someone coming out and someone just yeah. snogging someone of the same sex once, years ago, yeah. whilst at college and drunk. There's a few sort of sorority references, mm. aren't there, along the way here. I understand basically none of them. There's a whole language, isn't there, behind I'm sorority? I'm fascinated by all fraternity and sorority stuff because yeah. the only bit we ever get to see, and we've discussed this briefly on the podcast before, haven't we, and sort of people have, have given us little indications into how realistic that is. But we only ever see it in movies and, and TV shows and it all looks mad and wild. And again, it's, it's, this only serves to underline the fact that surely two girls making out at one of these parties based on what pretty standard based on what we know about these sort of frat parties is yeah, yeah. not only standard but i'd say quite tame oh uh, anyway pete at least there's no weird implications from melissa like maybe i passed out and you did stuff to me while i was sleeping oh my god i mean that line is is uh dreadful isn't it um god. well especially once we find out that she's heavily gaslighting rachel all the way through the episode Yes, absolutely. yes, you're you know? right. She, um, she's she, that's a hell of a sort of accusation to make when you actually know the truth. Right? Yeah, you're literally going. This never happened. You're mad. You're misremembering it. I mean, I guess maybe what happened is you sexually assaulted me. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Really bizarre. Whew. I mean, on the light note, guys, Phoebe and Joey playing chess is excellent. It is, and I really, 
love those Phoebe and Joey moments, those little glimpses yeah. of their friendship when they're on their own together, some of the stuff they did. Yeah, that felt like a real really throwback funny. to just funny, nice, like interstitial bits in Friends that have nothing to do with anything, but are just so, such a good insight. That's exactly what Phoebe and Joey would do, isn't it? They think, let's play chess. Do we know how to play chess? No. Does that matter? No. But we've got all the stuff. We're going to play it however we want. It's like that great moment when someone walks in and Phoebe's there and Joey's got a bowl on his head and she's cutting his hair. All those little moments like that are really nice examples of their friendship, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and also, it's very much come off the back of me watching The Queen's Gambit, so it really sort of tickled my chess itch. Oh, yes, chess is Chess in, is really it? on at the moment. I actually have downloaded a chess app, Pete. Me and Helen Monks, off of the first episode of Ever Friends with Friends, have been playing chess <laughs> on an app. And well, let's nice. be honest, I'm not very good at it either of us, but we're both so not very good at it that it makes quite an entertaining... Uh, Activity. I feel like it's very Phoebe and Joey playing chess, to be perfectly honest. I do like the moment when Phoebe sort of makes a good move and then just shouts chess as if that's yes. one of the rules. Yeah, it's great. That whole sequence is really lovely. Anyway, back to the gaslighting sexual assault allegations uh, from yeah. Rachel, the lesbian green. Uh, so this turns out Rachel kisses her at the end because she's determined to sort of... It's a bit like weird Disney fairy tale, isn't it? Like the only way to get this point across is to kiss. Yeah, kissing the truth. Yeah, the edge. fact that Rachel thinks this is going to work is bizarre. The fact that it does work is even more bizarre. And then, yeah, then yeah. Melissa sort of owns up. Yes, you know, I've been in love with you ever since. And I wouldn't say she's acted like someone that's been in love with Rachel ever since. You know, this is the first time, as far as we know, she's even made contact with Rachel. And that was purely by accident. And then it's the fact that she leaps from having a kiss to Rachel must be in love with me is quite a leap to make, isn't it? Well, it is, especially when Rachel has said, look, I'm going to just do this to prove my point. She hasn't said, I really am in love with you or I really fancy you. By the way, I feel like it sounds like we've been really hard on this storyline i really like i really like winona ride oh, that's great I really yeah like it's a really good line. yeah i really like how it ends you know up. what it's we really do on this podcast guys we really yeah. drill down into the um, details and often strange strange little bits of which there is definitely one more before the end of the episode um uh, with all the talk of gaslighting and consent phoebe then just kisses rachel without asking just, yes, just goes right in for it. Yeah, so a lot of weird stuff going on in that episode. Um, but no, you are right. Winona Ryder. It's it, like sort of having Winona Ryder in my head as the mum from Stranger Things is a sort of the last main thing I've really watched Winona Ryder in in life. It's such a different character, isn't it? It does show her in such different light and in such different range, you know. And she's, she's oh, she's so great. great. Yeah, she's, really she's good. great. It is a, it is a funny storyline but there's just it's one of those things where the bits within it i just uh, there are a lot of bits that absolutely wouldn't make it to, to television these days are there um so there you go any more for any more peter any other business so uh not related to this episode oh, okay um my dad texted me this week lovely Dave. mr allison but he texted me because he'd watched the new michael mcintyre quiz show on bbc one okay the wheel the wheel and there was a question about friends, and he wanted to know if I knew the answer. So shall I read the question, and you can tell me the answer? Yes, please. I got it right. <laughs> Brag much? The question was, which of these played a cameo appearance in Friends first? Was it Brad Pitt, Susan Sarandon, George Clooney, or Reese Witherspoon? At Clooney, yeah. 
Yeah, Clooney, it's the right one, yeah. Clooney well early, wasn't he? The rest of them are fairly late, right? Yeah, uh, it won someone on the BBC Quiz Show The Wheel £28,000. Did it? Was that the final The final yeah. one? Well, according to my dad, uh, it won the bloke the 28k star prize on Michael McIntyre's Sat Night Quiz. Oh, do you know? Have you watched it? Uh... Only via Gogglebox. It is mad, but it is kind of addictive. I'm kind yeah. of, I kind of love it, but it's also insane. Join us next week where we review episodes <laughs> of The Wheel, the new BBC Saturday Night Quiz show. Yes, please. Uh, talking of next week, what is next week's um, episode? So in the next episode, uh, we are going back 12 episodes. We are still in season seven. The Mighty Bowie, it's their request. Uh, and it's the one where Chandler doesn't like dogs. Oh, we're not going to get on with this, are we? Um, no, we are both dog enthusiasts. Mm. Um, and it's a listener in Romania. Oh, lovely. Oh, no. No, I've misread that. Go on. It says, I had a dream last night that I was going on holiday with you both to Romania. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw Romania and thought that they must be from there. I would like to, I'd say, hear more about the dream. Hi, Grace. You're now listening to me scour your Instagram account for clues as to where you live. Grace, you'll be pleased to hear your Instagram does not give any information as to where you live. <laughs> Great, but we do know that we will see you in Romania. Yes, meet you in departures. <laughs> On that note, goodbye, Peter. Goodbye, Dave. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.